All right, good to see you guys today. How many of you wouldn't mind having a little more joy in your life? <laughs> you may have joy, but who doesn't want some more, right? Like we're all down with some more joy. Today I want to talk to you about the good news of joy and how spiritually we can experience more joy in our lives. You know, I was thinking this week about uh, our little puppy, Roxy. She's passed away now, but when she was a little puppy, she's a little bulldog. When you're potty training a dog, those of you that have potty trained animals, you know that when they go outside, you make a big deal of it, right? By the way, the same is true with kids, right? You know, like pretty much animals, kids, pets, anything. When they go outside, I mean, Roxy used to come in and be like, Roxy, oh my, you went potty outside. You know, wow, it's amazing. It's incredible. You want a treat? You want a treat? And then she start dancing. You know, she, she's like, whoo, whoo. I, I don't know what happens, but if I go outside and do my business, I get treats. Dad freaks out. This is amazing. And that's what celebration does. We do that with our kids, whether we're potty training them. I remember when our first child, Emma, when she crawled for the first time, you would have thought she won the Olympic gold medal. It's like you crawled. You did what every baby ever born on the planet for thousands of years has done. Unbelievable. And then when they take their first step, it's so remarkable. You're like, you took your first step. That took a, well, you cry. I cried when Emma took, and I had been training her, working her, going through the motions. In fact, I actually uh, remember the little island in the house where she took her first steps and walked around that island. What I didn't realize then is that my life was about to change in indescribable ways. Every parent, yo, young parents are about to learn this, right? Once they start walking, it's game on. And about three weeks later, she was done with her stroller. She's like, I don't want to ride in this. I want out. And she'd, get, she'd, she'd beg, and then she would point to the stroller, and she would say, me do. She couldn't talk in complete sentences, but she was like, I can push that stroller. I, I don't ride in it anymore. I push it now. But we celebrate these achievements because we, we, we want to reinforce that behavior, Right? What gets celebrated, they often say, gets replicated. And so you celebrate it, you celebrate it the same as true at work. You learn in all your management training and everything. Celebrate people, celebrate their wins, celebrate what they do, because that reinforces that behavior. And if somebody does something great and you don't celebrate it, well, that says something as well. And the likelihood of that behavior repeating itself, if it's not celebrated, is much less than if it is celebrated. Now... That's true with other people, but have you ever thought of this? It's also true in our own lives. What gets celebrated gets elevated. What gets elevated gets influence. Some of you are here today, and you may be in a season right now where you say, I don't have a lot of joy in my life. I, I don't, I don't feel, feel a lot of peace in my life. Maybe turmoil, maybe you're just worn out, you're exhausted. If you don't have a lot of joy in your life today, I just want to ask you to consider what are you celebrating on a regular basis? Because what you celebrate is what you elevate, and what you elevate is what influences you in your life. What are you celebrating? Paul is going to challenge us in Romans chapter 5 to celebrate God and his goodness and to do it regularly and consistently. And I want to suggest if you celebrate your faith, the end result will be more joy. If you celebrate your faith, where that goes 
the end result is more joy. Because when you realize how good the good news is, it brings you great joy. Now, we've been in this series called Good News, and we've been looking at the book of Romans in the New Testament, how grace changes everything. Week one, we looked at Romans chapter one, where Paul lays out the bad news, and the bad news helps us understand how good the good news is. Uh, week two, we looked at Romans chapter two, where Paul makes this case that all of us have sinned and fallen short. We can't really judge people or look down at other people. Instead, we need to realize that God can change not only their life, but our own life, and we talked about the good news about growth. Week three, Pastor Nick last week gave an amazing message on the relationship between faith and works. It was so good. Check it out if you missed it. Now, this week, I want to dive in with you and look at Romans chapter five and see how Paul kind of turns a corner on us and shows the outworking of our faith and how it results in joy. Check this out. Romans chapter five, beginning in verse one. We'll bring this up on the screen here. When we get to the red word, I'm just going to ask everybody to say it out loud, real loud here with me. But here's what Paul says, Romans chapter five, he says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Peace, Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God. Turn to the person next to you and say, peace, peace, bro. Now, when Paul says we have peace with God, he's not talking about a feeling of peace, right? Like, Man, I just, I don't know, I got a peaceful, I got a peaceful, easy feeling. I don't know, it just came to me. Can't remember. It's not an emotional piece. What Paul is referring to isn't really even about how we feel. You may not feel like you're at peace at all. But he's saying, you're good with God whether you feel like it or not. Because God has made peace with you through what he did in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of commentators point out that Paul's making a shift in chapter 5 from talking about faith a lot in the first four chapters of Romans uh, to only mentioning it three times in Romans chapters 5 through 8. So he's turning a corner. Now the theme, the main word, is the word life. He's going to use it 24 times in the next three chapters. He only used it a couple times in the book up to chapter 5. So get this. Paul in the first four chapters of Romans is laying out the power of our faith. But in the chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8, he's laying out literally how our faith impacts our life. And that's why the theme of Romans 5, if there's a kind of a core theme, is joy and rejoicing and celebrating because when you understand how good the good news is, it brings you great joy. If you want more joy in your life, you got to celebrate the right things in your life. What gets celebrated gets elevated. What gets elevated gets influenced. Celebrate God and his goodness and it will lead to more joy in your life. Celebrate the peace that he has made with you. It'll lead to more peace in your life. Celebrate the work that he's done in Jesus. It will lead to more joy in your own work that you do in your life. So let's kind of break it down. Chapter five, he's going to begin with some different kind of we affirmations. He says, we have peace with God. We stand in grace. We joyfully look forward to God's glory. We rejoice in our sufferings. We will be saved. We will rejoice in God. And so all of this is an outflow of our faith. So if I could just summarize those kind of five or six statements, I would, I would put them in three, and that is to celebrate peace with God, to celebrate God's blessing, and then to celebrate our hope. 
So first, to celebrate peace with God. I remember uh, one year, it was our anniversary, and uh, we, were, we were just getting ready to go out and uh, celebrate our anniversary. And we had a little bit of a moment. Let me just rewind a few days. A few days before our anniversary, I was cleaning the garage. How many of you like to have a clean garage? If you have a garage, you like, you like a clean garage. Yeah, we're, we're kind of our own breed. I like, uh, I like my garage. I don't care about the house, but I want that garage clean, man. Uh, come on, guys. It's like that's... That means I'm in a good headspace. You come to my house and my garage is a disaster. It's like the pastor needs some counseling. You know, like it's not going well right now. Right? So anyway, I'm cleaning out the garage. I'm getting everything ready. And we'd had this pile of stuff that we donated to castaways, extra clothes and things. And we, we typically do that. But there was this denim jacket that was sitting on the ground. It had dirt on it. And it just didn't make the latest castaways run. And I'm like, I do not want to start a new bag of stuff that sits in the garage. Anybody feel me? So I said, I'll just throw it away. So I pick it up, chuck it. Well, three or four days later, it's our anniversary. Trash man's come and gone. Lori's getting ready, and she goes, Judd, I, I can't find my denim jacket. I said, what, what denim jacket? She said, well, I had this denim jacket. I bought it for our anniversary. I bought it for our anniversary. I've never worn it. It still has the tags on it. The last time I saw it, it was in the car. I said, describe it to me. <laughs> she describes the denim jacket, right? And I'm like, oh, man, it was really hard to tell her that one of her kids threw away her <laughs> denim jacket. That was a... <laughs> Blame the children. When they get older, you can do that. No. Now, I confessed, and it did not go over well. I mean, Lori immediately was like, you always do this. You throw stuff away, you get rid of it. I'm like, it was on the ground. I think one of the kids kind of moved it out of the car on accident. I'm like, it was just there. I didn't even know. She's like, you threw away these one glasses that my grandma gave us, and then, you know, you threw away the chocolate fondue, which we hadn't used in years. You know, you threw away this thing and that. She went down the whole list. I'm like, I'm sensing we have some bitterness going on here. You're hanging on. Bible says forgive. No, I did not say that. <laughs> Listen, man, pastor does not throw the Bible back in wife's face when we're in an argument. I have learned. <laughs> Don't do that. That's not going anywhere good. So I'm like, well, I'll, I mean, we were getting ready to go out and celebrate our anniversary, y'all. This was going to be a big moment. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll, let's go to the mall. We'll go back to that store where you got it. I'll buy you a new jacket. Okay, so we go to the mall, we go in, and they don't have the jacket. Of course they don't have the jacket. I'm like, I'll, I'll order, I'll order the jacket. I go up to order, no lie, the jacket is now discontinued. Not even available online. So I'm like, try on, because you know, what are you going to do? It's your anniversary. Try on any jacket you want. And by any, any and I'll buy you that jacket. I'll make it right. She tried on a few jackets. She didn't want any other jacket. She wanted the denim jacket that I threw away. So we left the mall. We go to dinner. There's like a cloud hanging over our anniversary dinner. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, Lori, you know, like we had some good times too. <laughs> Kids, little things like that. Life moves. We're talking a couple decades of marriage, you know, good, good times too. Like, 
not just the jacket thing. I remember in that moment, like there, there was really nothing I could do. I was just dependent on her forgiving me, which she did because she's amazing <laughs> and well-practiced. <laughs> she got over it and we ended up having a great night and a special anniversary. But Paul, all through Romans, is setting this up like, like this is our relationship with God. There's really nothing we can do. How does it feel to be powerless? In fact, in Romans 5, he lists our, our resume. He says, Christ died for, for us while we were still sinners. In fact, our resume would be sinners, ungodly, separated from God. Great. And there's really nothing we can do, but Christ has done it. Romans chapter 5, again, let's look at this. I'm going to emphasize a different uh, couple words here in red. Same verse that we just read. He says, therefore, since we have been what? Made right. You see that? Turn to the person next to you and say, you've been made right. Made right. It doesn't say you are right. Or even you're all right in yourself. But it does say you've been made right by God. Look, made right in God's sight by what? Faith. You see that? It's by faith. We've been emphasizing this for weeks. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now this, this word, made right, it's two words in the New Living Translation here, made right. Um, it's one, one word in the original language. It could be translated um, justified, Okay. Which, by the way, is one of my favorite television shows of all time. Timothy Oliphant as Raylan Givens. You're welcome. Look it up. Justified. But that's not what this is about. A lot of shooting in that. <laughs> this is about Jesus. You've been made right. You've been justified, he says. Now, justified is a legal term, okay? And it's, a, it's like... It's like the term for not guilty or to acquit somebody, right? That's, that's the way the term was used. The Bible's saying God has declared you righteous, not guilty, because of what he did for us in Jesus Christ. The theological term comes from the word justified, and it's this word right here, justification, okay, justification. It means to be declared righteous. And Romans chapter 5 is a big section of the Bible where we, we discuss this idea of justification. You've been justified justified by God. And so one theologian said this, justification is God satisfying himself by substituting himself. In other words, God satisfied his own righteous requirement by sending Jesus into the world who died for us. He substituted himself for himself and, and, and was able to declare us innocent because the price was paid by Jesus. And so we can celebrate peace with God, and God has done it. We made the mess, and he cleaned it up. So if you don't have a lot of joy going on in your life, just consider right now, what am I celebrating on a regular basis? Maybe you're not really celebrating anything consciously or that you're aware of. What am I elevating in my life? What am I putting my focus on in my life? Because what you elevate has influence. You start celebrating the right things, you'll start to get a different emotional impact down the line. You gotta just get back to celebrating peace with God. Here's another thought. Then we can celebrate God's blessing. You celebrate God's blessing. So, hey, I don't know if you notice if you're a Disneyland person, but Disneyland open. Any Disneyland people? You all about that? All right. I, I, I get it. Disneyland's like magical. It's amazing. As long as it's empty. 
And every time you go to Disneyland, there's people everywhere. Right? It's, cr it's crazy. I remember one year we took the kids to Disneyland, and um, right before we went, we called some friends of ours who live in Southern California, and we know they have like season passes because on social media, it's like they live there, you know, every weekend's at Disneyland. So we call them up. We're like, hey, we're, we're coming down. We're going to go to Disneyland. Give us some tips. How, how full is it going to be? And they're like, oh, it's going to be bad. Like, really bad. Like, you need to think capacity bad. And we're just like, oh, that was all I heard. It's going to be bad. And she goes, but, you know, we have this annual membership thing that we pay for. I, I don't understand all the tiers, but um, within that, they got several different what they call VIP tour guides that will be your tour guide for the day. And this was around November. They're like, you know, the end of the year is coming up. We're not going to be able to use our last tour guide. So we would like to gift our tour guide to you for that, for that time when you come down to Disneyland. And I'm like, okay, cool. I knew that was good news, right? Like, great, man. We got a, we got a tour guide. Awesome. But I didn't know how good that good news was. So the whole time we're driving to Southern California, I'm thinking, it's going to be bad, man. <laughs> Lines, people, heat, sun, those crazy Disney mamas. You know what I'm talking about, running around, <laughs> fighting each other, getting in line, getting to the rides, I, I, all the things. It's going to be bad. We get there, and sure enough, people are everywhere. It's an anthill. And I'm like standing there and this Disney lady comes up in a little plaid jacket and she says, my name is Sharon and I am your VIP tour guide. I'm like, okay, great. I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, that means that you can pretty much ride anything in the park without standing in line. I'm like, so, <laughs> What? She goes, yeah, yeah, there's only a couple of rides that are off limits because they're like brand new. I'm like, we don't care about those anyway. She says, look, you, you ride every ride without standing in line. And I said, well, how about this one? I pointed to one. There's like 100 people in line. She goes, yeah, come on. So we all walk. We follow her. We walk right past all those people in line. Don't you remember those people that did that? I used to, I got so many dirty looks and I used, and I, I used to be that guy. I got to tell you, I kind of liked it. I was like... This is awesome. You know, the people are like, hey, man, what are you doing? You just, we, they walked us right up to the front, and I already had my morning cup of coffee in my hand, and they were, they were like right up to the, literally right up to the cart. There was no waiting at all. And then it's like, okay, you get in the cart here. And before I stepped in, she said, Mr. Wilhite. She said, would you like for me to hold your cup of coffee? I am loving me some Disney right now. I'm like, yes. And we rode that ride, and when we got off that ride, I kid you not, she handed me my coffee back to me. I'm like, I could get really used to this. <laughs> all day long, everywhere we went, we had access. We cut all the lines. We rode all the rides. It was, and that night, I'm like, I'm never coming to Disneyland again without a VIP tour guide. That's how we roll. That's, and then I found out how much a VIP tour guide cost if you paid for it. And I'm like, yeah, we won't ever do that again. <laughs> That was a gift. I'll be back in line, giving the evil eye to all those people with the tour guide. 
But it was amazing because she got access to everywhere. And this is what Paul's going to say in Romans chapter 5 as he goes on. That because of what Jesus has done, it's like we we get to cut the line. We have access to God's blessings. Look at this. He says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus today, hear me now. You stand in a place of undeserved privilege. That's where you live. That's where you hang. That's where you are. You have undeserved privilege in your life. Look at this. Where we now what? Stand. You see that? We stand there. Where are you? I'm standing in a place of undeserved privilege. Where are you? Yeah, I don't even need a VIP tour guide because Jesus already did that for me. And so we confidently and what? Joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You see how out of our faith comes joy because this is where we stand. We can find more joy. Now, here's the challenge. I think a lot of us, we know, we, you know Jesus is good news. I get that, you know, like God loves me. Jesus died for me. But we don't really process always how good the good news is. We don't really always let it impact our heart and life. Sometimes it's just sort of this thing floating around out there like, yeah, Jesus is awesome. That's good. Good news is good. It's like when I heard we had a VIP tour guide. I'm like, okay, yeah, great. But I didn't understand how good the good news was. And the more I understood how good the good news was, the better it got in my heart and in my life. The more you grow in your faith, the more you start to understand all that God has done for you. Listen, the more you celebrate on a regular basis in your own heart and life, all that God has done for you, the more you receive joy as a benefit from that. You're realizing not only the good news is good, but you're growing in your understanding of how good that good news is. So you may be feeling like you're just barely squeaking by with God. You may feel like you got to sort of keep your head down because, you know, you, you don't want anybody to see. You don't want anybody to call you out right now. You may feel like you, 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 that, you, that you don't belong. You may feel like you don't have access to God's attention or his blessing or his interest. But when you put your faith in Christ, he brings you in. We, we just read it. He opens the door. He makes the introduction. And then you stand in the place of undeserved privilege. You are one of his people. So listen, you stand in his favor. You stand in his love. You stand in his blessing. You stand in his approval. You stand in his wisdom. You stand in his partnership. You stand in his power. You stand in his honor. You stand in his goodness because you stand in his grace. And that means that no matter how many times you fall short or how many times you burn out or bail out or cop out, you will never be shut out. Listen, even when you fall, you are still standing in the presence of his grace. You are standing in the path of his blessing because it was never about you from the first place. It was about Jesus and what he did for you. And the longer I live, and the longer I'm a follower of Jesus, the better the good news gets. The more I realize I need God's grace every single day, the better the good news gets. Celebrate God's blessing of having that path in his presence. Here's the third thing we can celebrate. We can celebrate our hope. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, Paul's going to give us this progression He's going to kind of break it down. Uh, let's, go, let's, go to, let's go to Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse uh, 3. And let's hit this red word when we come to it. 
He says, we can what? Rejoice. You see that? There's that word joy showing up again. Now we're rejoicing. Two, when we run into problems and trials, what? Right. When we run into problems and trials, you can, you can rejoice for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So Paul's going to basically lay out a progression here. Let's bring up the next slide and let me just overview this progression with you. He says, first of all, we we can rejoice in problems and trials. It's, It's sometimes translated sufferings. It's a very intense word. Listen, just because you're a follower of Jesus, you're still going to face difficulty, suffering, hardships, and trials. And God can actually use that. And you can learn to rejoice in that. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings because they produce something. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we think, man, I shouldn't be going through this. I'm going to church. I love Jesus. I, I got my Bible, you know, like I'm doing all the things. What more do I have to do? Well, it's not about what you do or don't do. God may be using your sufferings to humble you. He may be using your sufferings to mature you. He may be using your sufferings to help shape you into the kind of person you need to be for what he has for you in the future. We don't know. But the suffering produces something. He says that it produces endurance, right? If it's not hard, you don't have to really endure anything. And then the endurance produces something. Look at this. It produces character, right? Character that's tested in the fire. And when you have suffering, you get endurance, you get character. And what all of this will do is help strengthen your hope, he says, because you realize even more, God is faithful. God saw me through all the stuff that I've gone through and he will see me through all the stuff I'm going to go through. Sometimes you go through the suffering, the endurance, the character, and you're no longer about yourself like you used to be. You're no longer about your achievement and your accomplishment. Now you're more about living for the glory of God and living to the, to the, in gratitude to God and sharing the hope of God every day in your life. It's a process that we go through and we can rejoice in that hope because all of it works towards that hope. In fact, there's, uh, we'll bring up the next slide. There's a little bit of a tension here and we see it in Romans 5 some. Theologians talk about this, that we as followers of Jesus live in this tension between the already and the not yet. And we're sort of here. So, so we're already declared righteous in Jesus Christ. We're already justified, but we're not yet fully righteous in our everyday actions. Think about this morning, hello. We're not yet, we're not yet perfect right? You know, we're, we're already holy, but we're not yet perfectly holy, right? You know, we're, we, we already are forgiven, but we're still trying in our own hearts to forgive others and move forward. There's a lot of already and not yet. And I think sometimes when it comes to rejoicing and celebrating in our hope, we've got to focus on what God has already done rather than focusing on what maybe he hasn't yet done in our lives. Look, you know, You could look around at our world and say, man, is our world at peace? Not yet. Is racism a thing of the past in our world? Not yet. Is suffering and difficulty a thing of the past in our world? Not yet. Am I at a place spiritually where I no longer can have a tendency to (laughs) self-sabotage? Not yet. Am I at a place spiritually where I'm no longer tempted? (laughs) Not yet. Right? And on and on we go. There's a lot of not yets. And you know, if you want to find out where the not yets are, just watch the news. The news is the not yet. But if you want the good news, 
You go to the Bible. The Bible tells you God has already done a lot of things already. And that we're in this in-between place. We're between what he's already done and what he has not yet done. And when we realize all that he has already done, then you can look forward to the not yet with hope instead of with despair, right? When you realize all that he's already done, you can celebrate that in your life. Look, when we look forward to what God will do rather than fixating on what he has not done, we find reason to celebrate. Reason to celebrate. We fixate on the already. God has forgiven me through faith in Jesus already. God has given me a new life and a new future already. God has sent his spirit to fill me already. God has given me a new name and a new identity already. God has written my name in the Lamb's book of life already. God is with me and he's promised to never leave me already. God's planning a great future for me and he's guiding me and he's strengthening me already. God is working in my future. He's working in my family. He's promised to take care of me. He's given me a new hope and a new future. He is good. He is faithful. He's a friend. God hears my prayers. God's in control. God loves me with an unconditional, never-ending, unchanging love. The battle's been won. The victory is on the way. He is making all things new. Look, you have new life in Christ, and one day you will see it fully for what it is, but today you can celebrate even in the in-between it's already but it's not yet it's already but it's not yet so celebrate somebody raised their hand when I started this message and said who wants some more joy and I say the path to joy is to celebrate what God has already done and look forward to what he will do. Celebrate peace with God. Celebrate the blessing of God. You have undeserved privilege that you now stand in and celebrate the hope that we have in God. A friend of mine posted a picture on Instagram this week of her 80-year-old mom. Her mom had slipped out into the backyard. The sun was going down. And I assume with her phone or whatever, she had put some worship music on. She didn't think anybody was out there. And here's this 80-year-old woman, alone, in a backyard. It's dark. You could just sort of see the reflection of her back from the landscape lights. And she had both hands in the air. And she was giving thanks to God. And her daughter snapped this photo and said, y'all, this is my mom, 80 years old alone in the backyard, both hands up, giving praise to God. Here's what I know when I see that image. I know she's faced suffering. You don't live to be 80 and not go through suffering. I know she's learned endurance. I know she's developed character and she still has hope, which tells me that woman has joy. She doesn't have to tell me about it. I can see in the picture that if she's outside, both hands up, giving praise to God when nobody's looking, I promise you, that woman is filled with joy. It's joy. It's bigger than the stuff. It's bigger than the circumstances. It's a joy that's available to us. What gets celebrated gets elevated. What gets elevated gets influence. So celebrate 
God and all that he's done. It's why we show up at church. It's why in the Bible we have this thing called the Sabbath, this rhythm. Every seven days you pause, you stop. The point of the Sabbath isn't just to rest. It's to celebrate God and all that he's done. And that refocusing will ultimately lead to more joy in our life. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've never crossed the line of faith. And I want to invite you today to reach out to Christ who has come and lived and died for you so that you could be made right through a simple act of faith and trust in him. God's been tapping you on the shoulder. If you're ready to make that decision in your life, you can begin that journey by repeating a simple prayer after me to take a first step to open your heart to him. Would all of you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you'd like to become a follower of Jesus today, just begin that journey by repeating after me, either out loud or in your own heart. Just say, dear God, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. Forgive me for my sins. And give me the gift of eternal life. Help me face the challenges I'm up against. In Christ's name. And friends, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's your prayer today, if it's your commitment, I want to ask you to just slip your hand in the air. Just make eye contact with me, just to say before God, to say to me, you're going to trust him. You're going to follow him in your life today. Slip your hand in the air. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let's reach out to him today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just trust him in your life. Thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we love you. I just thank you for each person trusting you today and Thank you especially for those raising their hands in faith and trust today and pray that you'll show up supernaturally in their life. Walk with them, encourage them. May they sense your peace and your purpose every day as they follow you. We give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let's put our hands together for those who made spiritual commitments in their life today. I'm going to ask you to please remain seated for just a moment. If you made a spiritual con uh, commitment, we would love to connect with you. Uh, you can simply go to central.family and just click the link. I've decided to follow Jesus. Uh, we'll send you a free resource called How to Follow Jesus that can make a big impact in your life. Well, would all of you please stand together with me?